you're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. All I can say is, wow. My latest guest on the Restaurant Rockstars podcast is an employer-employee guru, and he has all these philosophies on just throwing that dynamic, the old dynamic that's been happening for hundreds of years out the window with a whole new powerful philosophy. We talk about empowerment, what employees are really looking for beyond the paycheck, recognition and rewards, and giving them, actually treating them with respect and teamwork and giving them what they need so that they can become what John Hopper, my guest, calls the greatest. So you got to listen to this next episode. It's really a game changer, and we just cover so many powerful nuggets of information, you know, especially in this time when the labor shortage, everybody's talking about that, the, the challenges of finding a good team and keeping that staff and motivating that staff so that they don't leave and that so they deliver the best experiences to your customers. That's what it's all about. So listen to this episode. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, engaging topics that help restaurants build their brands, rock their profits, and deliver amazing guest service experiences. Now, wait a minute. It's also about training your staff. And today's guest is Mr. John Hopper. He is a very unique person with some really powerful ideas about the employer-employee dynamic. He's a business owner for 19 years. Welcome to the show, John. How are you today? Welcome. I'm glad to be here. It's a true honor. Thank you for having me as a guest today. Well, it's all my honor, and I do believe this is a highly relevant topic today. You know, John, everybody is talking about the labor shortage, especially in restaurants today. It's hard to find good staff. It's hard to keep that great staff and motivate them to perform. But you know, what really struck me was I was at a restaurant industry hospitality summit about a month and a half ago here in my state of Maine with uh, the Maine Hospitality Association, and there were so many owners of restaurants that were really just talking about how right now they just are hiring pulses, warm bodies, anybody they can find. I mean, I've always believed that to be the wrong approach. What are your thoughts on that? Well, um, you're going, it's like anything in life, you're going to get out what you put in. So it, it used to be, and we, we, you've already jumped back, you know, to, to, to what I call 200 years ago. And it used to be a long, long time ago that we actually had something to offer when we offered a job. We, we were someone of power. We can employ you. We can give you a job. We can feed your family. And now people like us are a dime a dozen. I, I can get you anywhere. I can get you on any corner. So throw up a sign that says help wanted. And what have you really offered? Nothing. I can go get that anywhere. I can get that in a different industry. As a matter of fact, I can stay at home and get that. I can go sell something on Amazon. I don't need you. What are you bringing to the table? You're not bringing anything to the table. So we're not gonna we're not gonna offer anything. Our offer is nothing, and we want something in return. What are we gonna get? We're gonna get nothing. 
Yeah, such a such a catch twenty two, and you're you're touching on a lot of different points here because there are other industries that pay higher wages than the restaurant business. You know, the restaurant business constantly rising costs, legislation. You know, increased minimum wage that affects servers and bartenders and every level of that organization. And it's just really really challenging right now in the restaurant space to get ahead, to make a profit, to deliver great experiences to the customer, and really stay ahead of the competition. So let's go back. You're a 19-year business owner. Have you been in multiple industries? Do you specialize in one particular industry? What's your business, John? So it, so it started in uh, commercial construction was where I started. I went to school for architecture because I, I wanted to do something that left a legacy. So I came from a family of entrepreneurs. My grandfather was a mechanic. My father owned a painting company. And those industries were one and done. You know, you did it and then, you know, you're on to the next thing. And I wanted to look back at my work and I wanted to say, there's something here. I've left a legacy of some kind. So I thought architecture was good because if I could design a building, I could then one day take my children, who I didn't even have children at the time, I could take my children past this building and say, your dad was the architect that designed that. So I went to school for architecture and like the first day of architecture school, the teacher says, if anybody wants to make a lot of money, come see me after class. So myself and one other guy walk up there and we're like, we want to make a lot of money. And he's like, well, don't go into architecture. It's a bad, bad, bad uh, industry. You're not going to make very much money. Very few people make any money in this industry. And you know, if you're wanting to make a lot of money, I wouldn't do it. So I said, well, what should we do? And uh, he said, I would go into construction because construction pays a lot. So I quickly thought about it. And I was like, well, that's a legacy too. I could drive my kids past the building and say, I built this. So I decided right then and there I was going to go into construction. Well, he convinced me to go to architecture school first and then go to construction because it would really help you with your career. I could see that. Mm -hmm. And it did. I mean, the tra trajectory of my career was insanely fast. At uh, 21 years old, I was the superintendent running a big commercial construction project. At 23 years old, I was the project manager running multiple commercial construction projects. And at 27 years old, I owned the company. Now, at 27 years old, though, I don't know what I'm doing. I am very, very, very good at my trade. I can manage a multi-million dollar construction project budget for multiple projects all at one time. I can manage manpower to make sure those projects get done on time. But I'm, I'm at the initial stage of an epic failure as an employer. Because when you talk about bad employers, I would put myself right at the top of the list. I mean, I don't know if anybody is worse at it than I was. Horrible. Do you know why that was? Tell us what made you. Okay, so you're young, okay? You've risen quickly. You've got a really good grasp of the industry. You're clearly successful in what you're doing, but it required so many key people to get you there, yet you're calling yourself a bad employer. Define that for us. I mean, what made you not not effective as a good leader, a good manager, or an employer? Yep. So, so well, so, so that's changed, okay? So we'll talk about that, right? All right. But, yeah, yeah. Um, this, this leader manager thing to, to a certain degree is people don't want that. Okay. What people want today is they want to be themselves. So leading is fine. Managing is fine. But at the end of the day, we're dealing with human beings. Mm -hmm. So we put ourselves in those shoes and we say, would we want to be treated that way? And the answer is no, which is why we work for ourselves or why we lead ourselves because we don't want that then we try to push that off on somebody else and don't understand why they don't want it 
Well, they don't want it because they're a human being too, right? They want to be treated the way that you want to be treated, except you're not treating them that way. So the situation that I had was I took, and this is a situation most people have, is I took all of the experience that I had as an employee, which is what I was before I became the owner, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I said, this is what I need to do in order to be an employer going forward. Well, my employers weren't any good. So I was only as good as what they taught me. And that's true today. So we take what we know, we carry it forward. We carry it forward as an employee, trying to manage and lead other employees. We, what, what do we know? The whole scenario, the whole thing has been being carried forward since we were farmers in this country. And it, and it starts like this. Come to work for me, which again, I just said the offer is horrible. Come to work for me. If we can convince somebody to do that, then it's do as I say. And if you do as I say, I will give you money. That is what's been happening for 200 years. And if we don't change it, it's going to happen for another 200 years. Come to work and I will give you money. And I contend it doesn't work. It hasn't worked since the late, as far back as I can trace it, the late 1980s. In the late 1980s, there was a shift and it changed. And maybe it was college. I don't know the real reason why it changed, but it did. And what we used to have is we used to have go to work for somebody, work 30, 40 years at a minimum 10, right? 10, 20, 30, 40 years, make a career out of working for somebody. And then you would change your uh, you know, job and you would go into retirement. And that doesn't happen anymore. Now your employees stay as long as their needs are being met. Their needs might be being met for one week, which is why they don't stay any longer than that. Their needs might change from the time you hired them until their first day of work, which is why they didn't show up. But the truth of the matter is as soon as their needs change, they're out of there. Are the, all of their needs similar, dissimilar, no, all over the all map? Similar. All similar. I mean, I'm sorry, all different. They're okay. all different. Yeah. But what we try to do as employers is we're lazy. So we look at all the tools that we have in our toolbox and we say, what can I use to motivate this human being, right? But we don't call them human beings. We say, you know, what can we use to motivate them? We even call them a them, right? Yes. How do we motivate them? So we've lumped them into a big category and we've said, how do we motivate them? And we go into our toolbox and we say, well, what do I have available to motivate them? And as business owners, as the manager, as the leader, whatever we call ourselves in this position, we use the tool we have most readily available, which is money. But unfortunately, money doesn't motivate most people. Most people aren't driven by money. And I know that's crazy because we as, you know, quote unquote leaders or managers or whatever, we are in a lot of ways driven by money. We want to be successful in that regard. We want to look at the, the items that we have around us and clearly be able to say we're successful. That's not necessarily what a stay-at-home mother wants. That's not necessarily what a college student might want. It's not money. And I, the reason I can prove that very easily and very quickly is if it is the driving force, why don't people have any of it? Well, that's just the starting point. Obviously, everyone works for a paycheck and they've got to support their families and, and get ahead in life. But what, what have you found to be really effective as a motivator besides a paycheck? Let, let the, so, so, so what you need to do, here's the answer. You need to let people be themselves and then you need to be there to solve the changing need. 
Mm-hmm. That's what you have to have because you don't have transparency with employees. Employers say we're transparent with each other. No, you're not. Because if they say something or they do something that you don't like, they're fireable. So they're not going to put themselves in a situation to allow that to happen. So what they are is reserved. They're restricted with what they're going to tell you is going on. An employee will go to a training seminar on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday and quit the job on Saturday and knew they were quitting the job on Tuesday before they ever went to the training seminar. Do you know why they did that? Because they needed to work all the way up until Saturday, right? And people go, well, why would they waste our time? Because it met their need. They knew they were going to need to work right up until Saturday. They needed to get that money. Maybe something in their life was changing or happening. They knew how much money they had to have. They took it right up until that point. And the employer is sitting there going, well, they should have just told me this. This was not right and it was not rude. No, it is what it is. They did what they had to do for, for themselves. They're not transparent with you. Now, we can get them to be more transparent with us, but what we need to have is we need to have an, uh, it's, 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 it's essentially an open door policy where they write their own ticket. If an employee understands I have performed for you, therefore I'm an unfireable employee because I performed for you, now I can come up to you and tell you what I need. If you don't do it, I'm going to quit. So now we've empowered the employee. If the employee is empowered, now they can be more transparent because they're empowered. So what we want to do is we want to put them in the power that if they come to us and we they have a need, they need solved, and we don't perform, we're fired, not them. This is really, really interesting because... You know, in my long experience in running restaurants, clearly I had people that worked for me that put us in what we would call a hostage situation where we needed them more than they needed us. And that's a little bit of what you're talking about here. And it was a real challenge to sort of turn that situation around and either press the reset button, we used to call it, where people had this attitude like, you know, I don't need to be here and you're lucky to have me and that kind of thing, you know, and this goes back you know, 15, 18 years when I first started in the business. I had to learn all this and I had to create training systems to really get the most out of people and and really create what I would call a culture of hospitality, family, and fun. But what's, what's the approach? I mean, you've got... I know that you have three types of employees. I think you classify them as those that need help, those that should be fired, and those that are the greatest on the planet. What are the, how do you deal with, okay, let's talk about the first two, those that need help. Define what that means, and how do you work with those people to turn them into the greatest on the planet? Yeah. Well, the first thing we need to do is we need to decide what we want, okay? And like, I've been thinking about this. I could make a movie or at a minimum a TV commercial out of being an employer because I've been there, right? I understand Absolutely. what it is. Yes. And we put, up, we put up this great, big, beautiful front that we have things under control. And we are some of the most out of control people on the planet. We really truly are because we're pulled in so many different directions and we're trying to be amazing at everything we single, everything that we do right? That we're being stretched so far. We're just like moments away from a great big snap, right? Most of the time. 
but we're really good at making it look like we're under control to the outside world. Of course. So people look at us and they're like, wow, he's really got it under control. Well, kind of, I don't, because if I was really honest with you, my wife's probably pretty close to divorcing me at the moment. My daughter hasn't talked to me in two weeks, right? My my uh, head manager uh, is, is most likely about ready to quit. I'm going in 9,000 directions. And the truth of the matter is I really don't know what I want. And if I don't really know what I want, how can I tell you what I want? So you don't know what you want, what, what I want as, as an employee, right? So what you want, I was just talking about what you want for a minute, is you just want to come here, you want to do a good job, and you want to make a little bit of money. You don't want to be me. You don't want to own this business. You're not necessarily looking to rise up through the ranks. Let's just talk about what we want today. And what we want today is you want to come to work, make a little bit of money, do a good job, and at the end of the day, you want to go home. That's what you as an employee wants. Me, I'm all over the map. I have no idea what I want. So I'm going in 9,000 different directions, trying to keep all the balls in the air. And I don't know how to ask you what, uh, you know, what, 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 what helps me, what defines it. So if I can get clear on what I want, then I can properly go to you and tell you, this is what I'm looking for. And if that's the case and you're providing it for me, this is clearly what I want. You're providing it for me. There is no hostage situation. I've created an unfireable employee. But in order to know what I want, when I do find out what I want, I can now segment that into areas of things that I want, and I can now ask you to do it. So if, if I can if I can segregate it, and in, in, in my program, I've, I've boiled it down to six things. There's only six things I need. There's only truly five things I need, but I'm greedy, so I added a sixth one that would really just make it all make it impossible for me to say that you're you're not an unfireable employee. I have to keep you. So whatever you want, I'm keeping you because you're that important. And it's not being a hostage. This is what all employers want. All of us want this. We want an employee to come up to us that is so amazing. This person is so amazing. They say, listen, I'm buying a new house and I need help with the down payment on the house. Can you give me $7,000 to do that? And as an employer, the employee is so phenomenal so amazing that we say absolutely i've done that john right i've That's done this i've loaned money to buy yeah. cars help put kids through right. college it's like yes yeah. yes absolutely yeah. we've had those greatest employees we built what we call the dream team yep. and you, you and i are speaking the same language about that how do we get those people that are non-team players before they get to the stage where you've got to go is there a way to turn around that approach that behavior on the job Sometimes, and sometimes there's not. But if we can define, if we can define that it's not possible to turn it around, mm -hmm. then they have to go because right. they are, and they are a fireable employee. Mm -hmm. They are, and 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 fireable employees need to be what fired. But if they're an unfireable employee, they need what to be taken care of. That's what we have to do is take care of them. And it's embarrassing for me to admit, I admitted this on another podcast, and this is very embarrassing, but I have lost great people over this very problem because someone came to me and said, I need something. I told them I didn't have it. And the truth of the matter is I didn't have it because I was giving it to somebody that didn't deserve it. I was stealing from somebody who deserved whatever they were asking for and giving it to somebody that didn't deserve it. And then I'm justifying it by I need that person over there. No, the person I need is you. 
You're the one who performs. You're the one that, you know, I should be taking care of. And I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm taking your money and I'm giving it to somebody else. And people have quit. I mean, it's, it's, it's God awful that I've allowed that to happen. And sometimes over stupidly ridiculous money. I mean, you know, somebody would come and say, you know, Hey, I need to make, you know, $10 an hour more. Well, $10 an hour more sounds like a lot of money. It sounds like, you know, it's $400, but if we break it down, it's $20,000 a year. How hard is it for this person to make me $20,000? It's a joke. Are we really having this conversation? Why are we having this conversation? Give them the $10 an hour. But at the time when you're in the thick of it, you're looking at everybody standing around you. You're going, you would be the highest paid person here. Why would I think you'd be the highest paid person here? It's insanity to me that I even did that, but I did it. on I couldn't even tell you how many occasions. I have compare somebody's wage to what everybody else was making. Everybody else should have been fired. He's the person that should have been making the wage. Well, the whole goal here is to get everyone to rise to that level. And when you've got employees that you call the greatest on the planet, they must be assimilating best practices that sort of rub off and shadow onto those other players. I call them, there are three types of employees in my book. You got your A players, which are the greatest on the planet. You got the B players that have all the same attributes. They just lack a little experience, maybe a little practice or polish, and they'll get there just by spending some more time on the floor in a restaurant. And then you got the C team that are those that just have to go. They're just there for a paycheck. They bring the morale down the rest of the team. You're never going to turn around that behavior because they're there for the wrong reasons you know they don't have a desire to serve the public they're just there there's someone else's headache basically or nightmare that you found because you put a sign in the window that said help wanted or you put an ad in the paper absolutely you know but let's get to the crux of this how do we get okay even if you've just got one or two greatest right now how do you get the rest of them to become the greatest well i can tell you how i did it okay what, yes what, what i did was it was uh, 17 years into business ownership. I'm sitting at home on uh, Sunday. My kids are there, and I'm thinking about work. Now, put yourself in the in the in the position of a restaurant owner or a manager. They might very much find themselves in that same situation. And it's Sunday afternoon, and my kids are there playing, and I'm thinking to myself, Why am I the only one who cares? Nobody else cares. They're going to show up tomorrow. This is you know, Sunday. They're going to show up to work on Monday. They're going to do the job. I'm going to have 9,000 problems throughout the week. They're not going to care. And then um, on uh, um, Friday, if for some reason they don't get paid, they're probably going to quit. Nobody cares. I, I am one missed payroll away from every single person working here quitting. That's, that's where I stand, essentially, right? That was my belief at the time. So – how do I fix that? That's where I started. I have to fix it so that if that happened, right, if I missed payroll, which I don't ever miss payroll, never, because that's important. You got to make sure. That Absolutely true. But I'm with you on that. <laughs> um, I, I'll go without, I'll go without to make sure they get paid. But I don't ever miss payroll. But in case I did, you know what I mean? That's about what it's going to take for everybody to quit. So I said, well, what's the most important thing here? What, what really, 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 really matters? What's the most important thing in this company? And the answer to that question, a lot of people give different answers. They'll say, well, revenue is the most important thing. They'll say sales is the most important thing. They'll say profit's the most important thing. They'll say customer service is the most important thing. In a restaurant, they might say, well, location is the most important thing. No, the most important thing is the people that work there. Because if they go away, we're done. And I'll use a restaurant as an example. We have a parking lot full of cars. 
we have the foyer lobby area just packed full of people with a half hour, 45 minutes backed up out the door and the chef didn't show up. Nobody's in the kitchen. What are we going to do? We're going to take a waitress and hope we can pull this off. Right now. So, so the owner or the manager is like, well, I can do it. I'll go back there. And he comes down with the stomach flu 20 minutes into this, right? Eventually we're closing because we can't service our customers because what's important is the people, right? That's what, that's what really matters here. We can have all the customers in the world. If we don't have the people to service them, we're going out of business. Now we'll go the other way. If we run out of customers and we have great people, we'll go get more customers. If we run out of money and we have great people, we can go get more money. But if we run out of people, we're done. So the most important thing here is the people that work here. And I contend that there's a disagreement in that regard between the people that work here and the people who own this place. The people who own this place do not see us as the most important thing. As a matter of fact, we're not even considered when considering the most important things here. They're talking about the money. They're talking about the profit. They're talking about the customer. They're not talking about us. And without us, they don't run. I just had a roofing guy. I just talked to another person about this. I had a roofing guy tell me that I was wrong. You're wrong because I can replace my people in 10 minutes. If, if something goes wrong and that roofer doesn't show up, I'll go find somebody else. And I said, fine, I'll go along with your argument. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to call your office, he's got more than one, call your offices and tell everybody we're closed. Send everybody home. All the trucks get parked, all the phones don't get answered, everything is shut down, except we're not closed. You need to go do it all. You need to answer the phone, you need to send out billing, you need to go do the estimates, you need to go put the roof on, you need to go do everything. He's like, I wouldn't be able to do it. Exactly. You wouldn't be able to do it. Now put yourself in a restaurant right? The manager, the owner talks like they have everything under control. No, they don't. Are they going to be able to be the hostess? Are they going to need to be able to do that marketing and advertising? Are they going to need to be able to um, wait the tables? Are they going to need to be able to bust the tables? Are they going to be able to cook the food? Are they going to be able to order the food? They're heavily dependent on more fingers and more toes because without more fingers and more toes, this place doesn't function. So we need to get everybody on the same page at the most important thing. Because if we're not on the same page at the most important thing, how's the rest of it going to fit together? It is the most important thing. I need you, Mr. Employee, to understand this place doesn't function without you. And I, as the employer, need to understand this place doesn't function without you. We need to come on the same page right at line item number one. Because line item number one is truly the most important thing. Now, I'm not saying every single person isn't replaceable. They are but you need to understand your value here, right? If you come, let's use somebody who opens the store, opens the, the, the restaurant in the morning. They have to be there at say five o'clock in the morning. If this person doesn't understand how important they are, they're gonna be there to open the store? No, probably not, right? So you're gonna choose somebody to open that door who you know is responsible and understands their value. We want everybody in the company to be of that power. We want to be able to go to everybody and say, you're that important, but we don't do that. We diminish them and tell them they're not that important and I can replace you tomorrow. And that's the way they look at it. 
So the first most important thing, and when I, when I get done with this list, when I get done talking here, I will have created an unfireable employee when I get done talking. And I'm only going to list six things, and only five of them are requirements. The sixth one is just me being greedy. The second thing I need as a business owner is I need revenue. I have to have sales. Yes. Because if I don't Clearly. have money, I can't pay employees. I can't pay the rent. I can't buy food. I can't buy drinks. I can't pay uh, property taxes. I can't do anything if I don't have revenue. So I need Mr. Employee who understands their value. I understand their value. I need you to help me bring in money. And I don't care what your position is in with this company. If you help me bring in money, it's a giant step towards me not being able to fire you. And it's a giant step towards you being able to write your own ticket. You're going to be able to come to me and tell me what you need from me. I'm not going to have to throw you into a big pile of them and call you them because you're you. And you're going to come to me and you're going to say, I help. I understand my value. I'm able to open the store. I'm able to close the store, right? These are just small examples Yes. because I understand my value mm -hmm. and I help bring in money. Okay. So now what am I, okay, we're already we're two items into it and we're getting really close to, I can't turn this person down for whatever their needs are. Yes. Right. And I'm going to ask them for four more things. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's not even that hard. We're not even that hard. So the third thing we care about is, and this is the start. This is the initial downfall of customer service problems. This is where it starts right here. Customer entered into an agreement with us and a restaurant's a perfect example of this entered into an agreement with us and we didn't do what we said we were going to do. Mm -hmm. We failed on our end. And because we failed on our end, we now have an upset customer. So what we need to do is follow things up. When we enter into an agreement with a customer at a restaurant, we need to do what we said we were going to do to the best of our ability, to the point of embarrassment. We would rather have a customer upset because we came back to the table five times to see if we dropped off ketchup than if we didn't come back at all and they were sitting there letting their fries and their food get cold waiting on it, right? Follow it up to the point of embarrassment. That's how far we want to follow it up. We would rather let thing, other things go that don't need to be followed up. Let those things go and focus on what needs to be followed up because it is the initial downfall of customer service complaints. Follow up is. The next thing that we care about is eventually, sometimes, we will follow it up. We will do what we said we were going to do and we still have an upset customer. When, because customer service isn't going to make the list of the six things that I care about because we're going to take it at the root problem. So a customer's still upset, right? Now I, as a business owner or a manager, I have a customer who's upset. And now I've been called into this transaction. I need to understand on my end that I'm dealing with, I'm defending a good human being. The person who did follow this up or didn't follow this up isn't a malicious person. They're not trying to destroy your life. This is a good, honest, hardworking person who truly cares about you. They're not out to hurt you. So I need the people working for me to be good people. And that's important for other people that work here too, because all of us want to be surrounded by good people. None of us want to be surrounded by liars and thieves and cheaters. And you said it when you first got on the call here with me, it, it, you know, it starts with a pulse. You know, people go, I have nothing more than a pulse. That's not going to work. I mean, there's probably some bad human beings in that group that are dragging down the whole entire team. 
we have to get rid of those people. So that's number four. So number one, we have the the value of the person. We have the sale. We got to have revenue. We have the follow up. We have people of good character, and then we have um, teamwork. The next thing that we care about is um, we want to have everybody here on the same team. And I can call out major, major corporations that if I said their name, you would know exactly who they are, who wholeheartedly disagree with me on this. And I question whether they will even exist in 10 years, they'll be gone. Mm -hmm. Because you cannot internally compete and also destroy the competition. Your, comp your competitive nature needs to be to put the competition out of business not to internally compete. And there's major corporations who encourage internal competing. And it's not good because when you're focused on each other, they're eating each other from within. So their philosophy is let's fight each other to make each other better. Well, number one, the employees don't want to do it. So as soon as they get into this competitive nature, this internal fighting to try to fight to be the best employee, the good ones leave. They're not going to do it. They don't want to partake. Now, I love to compete. Actually, I hate to compete, but when I compete, I want to put somebody out of business, right? I'm like, I'm That's how I looked at it. <laughs> right. I'm Dominate the competition. Right. The competition doesn't work here. We're on the same team. Why are we fighting with each other to try to get to the top? So, so, so you're rewarded for being a team player. If you come to me and you're a team player, you get rewarded for that. That's something that I'm looking for. So I'm now five items into it, and I'll, and I'll go back over them really quick. Okay. Because right now I have an unfireable employee, and I'm going to ask for one more thing. I have an employee who understands their value. I have an employee who independently helps me bring in sales. I have an employee who follows things up to the point of embarrassment to make sure that ketchup bottle is on that table. I have an employee who's a good person. They're not out to you know screw somebody over or cheat somebody or steal. And I have somebody who's a team player. If that person comes to me and asks me for something, am I going to give it to them? I'd be an idiot not to. They're helping me bring in sales. They're following things up. They're a team player. They're a good human being. They understand their value. Why would I do anything to jeopardize this person leaving? But I'm greedy. I'm going to ask for one more thing. There is a sixth thing. Can't wait to hear it. <laughs> I want you to be pushing to do better today than you did yesterday. Because if you're doing that, now I know for a fact you're unfireable. Mm -hmm. I have to be a complete idiot to turn down whatever your need is. If you come to me and tell me I need to work on Saturday – you come to me and tell me I need extra money this week. You're going to have to give me a shift that I wouldn't normally have so that I can make up that money. We want the employee to understand you can come to us with that need, whatever that need is. But the only thing I need from you are these six things, because if you can do these six things, you become unfireable and I have to give it to you. I can't run without you. I can't function without you. And my goal is I want to change the industry. The entire industry. I want when somebody comes in to do a job interview, the employer says, do you have any more questions for us? I want the employee to say, yes, are you a greatest on the planet company? Because if you're a greatest on the planet company, and all I have to do is provide these six things and I write my own ticket, this is a place I want to work at. That's powerful stuff, John. It's like Am I wrong? Tell me where I'm wrong. <laughs> let's, you know, let's touch it. Okay, those yeah. six, those 
six key things are really critical to this. That is a key nugget from my whole takeaway on this. Let's talk about empowerment because that word came up before. And empowerment for me had had a lot to do with creating this dream team and getting them to be the greatest. And also you mentioned, you know, having them be themselves. Does everyone respond to autonomy and giving them, you know, giving them a rope to hang themselves or to succeed wildly, you know, and sort of coach and lead along the way and get everyone to make the best decisions on the fly without having to tell the customer, oh, I don't know, I got to go talk to my manager to get an answer for that, or I can't fix it because no one's given me the power to do that. We empowered our people. We taught them how to think and act like owners, and they were rewarded and recognized for that, and it just up-leveled the entire organization. What are your thoughts on empowerment, and can everyone be sort of trained to be empowered well so here so here's what i think i think that in typical employee training programs what we do is we put the person there a human being Mm -hmm. and then we try to smash information into them so that the person doesn't say i don't know let me go ask my manager that's what we try to do we try to avoid that conversation yes and i contend that's a, a, a legitimate answer. Okay. I don't know. Let me go ask my employer. I would rather have that person tell my customer, I don't know. Let me go ask my manager. I would rather have that than them not follow something up. I'd rather you focus on follow-up than the fact that you have to have the answer to everything. And I'll use like a, a, a fast food chain as an example. Okay, right? good. Yeah, fast yeah. food chains are very good at follow this procedure all the way down to the hello when they walk up to the cash mm-hmm. register. Everything's a right? system, for sure. Everything's a system, right? And, and, and a lot of companies, and especially small companies, want those systems in place. They want that because they think if they can have that system in place, nobody goes up and says, I have to go ask my manager. Now, I'm going to ask you this. How great of an experience is that from the customer side of it? Have you been to a fast food place lately? It's not good. Well, it's it's a- close, close to horrible. I'd rather go to a place where the guy's an individual. He's a human being who says, I don't know. Let me go ask my manager. And it can be something as simple as can we break a $100 bill? Mm-hmm. I don't want to have a standard answer of we don't accept anything larger than a 50 Maybe we can break a $100 bill. Isn't it okay to go ask somebody if we can break a $100 bill? If we can break the $100 bill, could we not make this customer happier right now than they were when they first came in? Let's just flat out reject them because we have a procedure in place. There's a sign on the register that Mm -hmm. says we don't break $100 bills. Do you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. That's crystal clear. It needs to be individuality. (laughs) We're dealing with human beings. It's not them. There is no them. When we go to them, what motivates them and Hmm. what do we do with them? We're putting everybody into a box and they're not into a box. They're individual people with individual needs that constantly change. And all we're trying to do is create an environment that when that need changes, you can come to me and at least give me a fighting chance to solve it for you. Because if I can solve it for you, you're probably going to stay here another day. And if you can stay here for another day, you can help me with revenue. And if you can stay here for another day, you can help me follow things up. And you can be a team player and you can push to do more. And that's all I want is an opportunity to be able to meet that need for you without just pulling money out of my pocket because chances are that's not the need. Oftentimes, pulling money out of your pocket is not the answer. They don't want that. 
They want another day off. They want an opportunity to work a different shift. They want a lot of things. But we just say, oh, you can make this more, make more money, make more money. We might as well tell them you can have a cold. We don't want more money. Right. In the last few decades, you know, we've seen Generation X, we've seen Generation Y, now we have millennial employees. Do you see any any significant differences between those three uh, eras of employees at all in terms of what it takes to get them into our business, train them, and get them to deliver, you know, great experiences for our customers? Are there any no. differences in those generations? No. I, I say they're relatively the same. You can't take a human being, you can't take a generation yeah. and lump them into a them. What the, the challenge is an us. They're not the problem. We are the problem. How have we changed? What have we done over 200 years to make ourselves better? We hang up a sign. I just went to, I don't know where you're at. Do, have you, do you have Kroger, the grocery store where you're at? We do not. Okay. But I've Kroger heard of Kroger. I mean, obviously it's a nationally known name, but we don't have Kroger. Ooh. You're right, huge. 20, 20 largest, 20th largest company in the United States. Mm -hmm. 20 largest. They're a hundred billion dollar a year company. Massive, huge company. I go there on Saturday. Great big, huge green poster board sign written with a marker. We're holding open interviews from one to five on Saturday and one to five on Sunday. Now, I'm going to look at this sign, okay? I walked in. I took a picture of it and put it on my Instagram. I'm like, that's horrible. Oh, I'm absolutely. I'm totally on the same page about that. Yikes. Tell me there's $100 billion a year, and this is what they have, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then they're going to put up this sign. My guess would be nobody showed up to it. And they're going to put up this sign, and then somebody at that store is going to lump a whole generation of people into a big group and say they don't want to work. Who's at fault here? Is I mean – what one generation is Mark Zuckerberg? You know what I mean? I understand he's one person, but when you break it down, they're all one person. Mm -hmm. That's the challenge. It's not a them. It's not a group. You know, what motivates them? It's insanity to take a whole group of people, lump them all together and say, what are we going to do? We're late. We're being lazy when we do that. We truly are. It's individuals. They're all individual human beings with individual needs, individual belief systems, and they're only as good to us as, as long as their needs are being met. As soon as their needs are not being met, they're out the door, they're leaving. And there's lots of employers out there, yourself included, when you first started, and we never really got into your story about how you turned that around, but we're not meeting the needs of our employees, they're leaving. And that's a philosophy or a mindset that employers need to embrace, understand, and shift if they're not doing things the right way. Let's, let's talk about all that. How did you turn things around when you were 27 years old to go on to have great successes, create the system we're going to talk about in a minute, but what are employers not doing that they need to be doing in order to recognize these great people that they need to keep and not make mistakes? Okay, I was an epic failure, so don't look for any advice from me. And I will tell you what I did. Yeah. And I guarantee you, a lot of your listeners do the exact same thing. Let's hear it. What we do is because we're dependent on our people. While we while we agree that's true, we don't want to necessarily admit it publicly. So what we'll do is we'll find a great employee and we'll lean on that employee because that employee helps us. So we'll go to that employee and we'll look for advice. They're kind of almost like our little buddy within the company, right? They don't own it, but they're our kind of go-to person, right? So, and I've had those people with me over the years, and they're not necessarily our buddy. We think they are because they're meeting the need that we feel that we need them to meet. 
but they're not truly on our side. So I'll give you an example. I've had people work for me, and sometimes it's groups of people. It's not even just one group. One entire group of people is trying to get another group of people fired. These are grown adults coming to me, telling me how this whole team is not performing. They're working on getting them fired before it's even a problem because they know it's going to be a problem. And when it when that opportunity exists, mm-hmm. it's been pounded into my brain that they're not doing this, they're not doing that, they're not doing this, they're not doing that. And the whole thing was designed right from the get-go at an argument over lunch and that they decided you're getting fired. I'm the top dog here. John's going to listen to what I tell him. So it might take me a little while, but eventually you're going to get fired. And you know what? You're probably your whole crew is going to get fired. I'll fire this whole entire thing. Now, I don't realize this is happening. So I go out to a job site or I get a phone call and they say, well, drywall's not done. Well, why is the drywall not done? Well, because the guys hanging the metal studs didn't finish it. And and, and we're never going to be able to get it mudded and taped and painted on time. It, it's way behind schedule. They're trying to get somebody fired. Right. But I'm trusting them that they're looking out for my best interest and they're not looking out for my best interest. So in my program, that's not even designed. I didn't I didn't create an an avenue where they can do anything in my system other than be a team player. So if the metal studs aren't getting put up, how can we help each other to make sure the metal studs are getting put up? This is not a conversation I want to hear. If we're not talking about how we're going to be a team player, how we're going to make it happen together. I don't want to hear the conversation. So if you look at how I did it, I did it wrong, way wrong for a lot of years. And I'm talking, you know, there were times where at one time I had hundreds of people working for me because it just took that many to put up the commercial building. It takes a lot of people to do it. You can't just put up two people there and go, hey, let's hope this building gets put together. Of course. Sometimes, you know, just the carpentry crew has 40 people on it. Just the painting crew has 10 people on it. You know, depending on what you're doing, you can end up with um, a lot of people. So I, I can't look at myself and say, this worked, this, this worked for me for all those years and everybody should do what I did. That's not what happened. What happened to me was I took my crew and I said – I need to come up with a system that if they can just follow this system, it's going to make my life easier so they can understand this. So I'll give you an example of a problem that I've had for years and it solved itself over this. And it's not even in there, but it just solved itself because it needed to be solved. These guys would run out of material at four o'clock in the afternoon and show up to work the next day, knowing there was no material on the job site. What (laughs) drove Louise. Crazy. Yes. Why can't we order this the day before so that when we get to work, we can work? Is that really that hard to do? And it wasn't just one person. This was constantly a problem over the years. So we'd get a phone call at the office at eight o'clock in the morning. We're out of material. Okay. That's going to take probably two hours to get out there. And in the meantime, I have 10 people standing on that job with nothing to do. Was that sabotage, John, or was it because no one wanted to take responsibility and own it? My fault, because we're not focused on what we need to be focused on, which in that particular situation is follow-up and teamwork, mm-hmm. right? If we're not, we're, we're, you know, somebody should have done this, somebody should have done that. You know, and the response I would get was I didn't know, right? Well, if everybody's focused on it, you know, if we're focused on teamwork or focused on follow-up, that situation solved itself. I don't even have to talk about it anymore. 
Never. Nobody goes, we're out of this, we're out of that. So the system, and I'll explain to you how it works is, I, first of all, I looked at the numbers, okay? And here are the numbers. I'll tell them to you. 300, roughly 320 people in the, 320 million people in the United States live. 320 million. Out of those, 157 million work. So about half the population works, half the population doesn't. So now out of 157 million, are all 157 million my target client? The answer to that is no, they're not. 30 million of them work for the government. I'm going to be very hard pressed to convince the government that they need this program. They don't care about sales. They seemingly don't care about following things up. They seemingly don't care about teamwork. The government is not my ideal customer. They don't care about what I have to sell. Mm -hmm. Then I, so that brings it down to about 127 million. Then I also have about 8 million people who are solopreneurs. They don't have any employees, zero. So I can't sell them either. Then I have about, and this is the one that really drove my decision to do it the way that I did it, is 30 million people of them are elderly. They're 55 years of age or older. Now, somebody who's 55 years of age or older might have decades left in the workforce. This isn't necessarily somebody who has two years left, mm -hmm. three years left. They could end up working until they're 75. So I want this person to succeed. I don't want to look at this person and say, they're not applicable to my program. They're very much applicable to my program, potentially for the next 20 years. I want to create a system that can help this person become an unfireable employee. So for that reason, the way that I set up the program is it's a workbook. It's a written workbook that you open it up mm -hmm. and chapter one is going to say things are going to change around here for the better. We're going to do things differently than we've been doing it in the past. We understand we've been doing it wrong and we want to make it right. So immediately I've got an engaged employee. Good, because things need to change around here. Right? That's how chapter one starts out. Chapter two, what's that? So you're admitting right off the bat, okay, I've got new, I've got an existing staff and I might have just hired two people yesterday and we're going to start this program and it starts with things are going to, things need to change around here or they're going, and they're going to change. Is that what I for heard? The, for the better. Okay. For the better. And, and, I, and I'm going to quickly describe to them how that's going to change. And I'm going to explain to them in chapter one, you're the most important thing here and we need to start treating you such. We've invested a lot of money into this program, and we need to start treating you as individual human beings, which is what you are. When they get into chapter two, it's going to explain that even further, that you are the real reason we're here. If, if you go away, we don't need this business at all. We would have to replace you. And we go into other things in that, in that chapter two. We explain to them that so far this has worked for you, and it's worked for us. You're, you're, you, you, to a certain degree, enjoy the people you work with. You, to a certain degree, enjoy the management that you're working for. Mm -hmm. You, to a certain degree, enjoy the job that you're doing because if you didn't, you wouldn't be doing it. Right. And what's going to happen is your needs are going to change. And when your needs do change, leaving here is going to be a thought that goes through your mind. And before that thought goes through your mind, we want you to understand that you may go work for a new job where you don't like the people, where you don't like the schedule, where you don't like the pay where you don't like the, the, um, the ability for growth. And all we're asking for is give us an opportunity to meet that need. 
When that need changes, come to us and allow us to see if we can fix that for you. Let us, please let us do that. And then when we get into the third chapter, we're going to start talking about sales because we have to have revenue. So if, if you're a waitress or you're a chef or you're a bartender and in the restaurant business, we broke it down three ways. We don't actually have one for a restaurant because I contend a restaurant can really have three separate businesses. It has the front of the house, it has the back of the house, and it has the bar. And what matters, and maybe it has a bar, sometimes it doesn't, but what matter, the reason that matters is because all of them sell in a different way. How a server allows somebody to come in and fill a booth isn't necessarily the way that a chef would do it, mm -hmm. right? So the chef can actually use the product. He can say, listen, I make the best spaghetti on the planet. And he can, to a certain degree, be known for that. And if you don't believe that I am, come in and try it. And he could do that in a little tiny mom and pop diner, or he could do that in a five-star restaurant. A server doesn't have the ability to tell somebody that she's the best cook on the planet, but she does have the ability to tell somebody she's the best server. And who does she know who might be interested in going out to eat tonight, who doesn't know where she works? And if they did know where she works, might be interested in coming and seeing her. So I want the server, I want the chef, and I want the bartender to fill the place. I don't want to be dependent solely on my advertising. I don't want to be dependent solely. I would rather have all of my people trying to fill this place to the point that we have a line out the door or we need a new location. I would rather have that than have them just coming in here and going, my, my section's empty. That's a hugely powerful idea that you're talking about, and I can totally verify and validate that that works. If you can create this culture where your staff are brand ambassadors for your business, then they're delivering such amazing experiences to your customers that they're becoming brand ambassadors. Next thing you know, you got staff and customers that are all over social media, online reviews, sharing their good times, telling people, and then you've got a line out the door, and it absolutely works. Absolutely. I've seen it happen. I've done it myself. It's like Absolutely. you cannot underestimate the power of both your staff and your customers to deliver these types of experiences. Yep. So, so, so the reason, so the way we did that was it's a workbook yep. and we're not telling the employee what to do. We're asking the employee, what would you do? We, our goal here is we want to fill the booths. You're a, your own little CEO right now. What do you do? How do you do that? Go do it. And when you do do it, come tell us about the win because your needs might change one day. And we want to hear nothing but win, 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 win out of you. And when we hear win, 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 win out of you, we're going to meet whatever that need change is. So I'll give you an example. I was on the phone with uh, my call center. Mm -hmm. So I have, uh, you know, people who manage my phones for me. And I have the owner of the company on the phone, who's a woman, and I have my employee on the phone who's answering my phones for me. And that's how it works there. It's not like it's not like where you call one you call one phone number and twenty five people answer the phone. That doesn't work. Okay. People think it does, yeah, but it doesn't. Yeah, uh -huh. You actually have employees that work there. So I have an employee that works there and I have an owner of the company. So I'm explaining to her how the system and how it works. And I told her, I said, if you did these six things and your husband comes up to you and says, I want a divorce and you have to go to your employer and tell your employer in tears, my husband's asked for a divorce. I need $5,000 retainer to go get a lawyer. Mm. Is your employer writing the check? She said, absolutely not. The employer was on the phone and said, I'm absolutely writing the check because I don't want somebody who's bringing me money every month, who's following things up, 
who's a team player, who's doing everything you're talking about, to be worried about five grand. I would write the check immediately. We'll go make five grand. I'm not doing it. But see, the employee doesn't understand that they're that valuable. So her answer was, no, they're not going to write the check. The employer's answer was, I'm absolutely writing the check. Because we would. Most employers would. We'd have to be in a really hard spot. Even if we were in a hard spot, if the employee brought it that strong, we'd find a way to make it work. We can be pretty crafty people. <laughs> yes, and resourceful, and you have to be yeah. for sure. So Absolutely. this whole system you're talking about is called the greatest on the planet, right? Yep, that's what it's called. It's called the greatest on the planet, and then it's the greatest whatever it is on the planet. So it's the greatest cook on the planet. It's the greatest server on the planet. It's the greatest bartender on the planet. And I just did that because, like I said, it's individuality. I don't want a, a, a server thinking the way um, – a, a cook thinks and and I don't want you know I don't want somebody and I called it the cook too I didn't call it a chef and the reason I didn't do that is because not everybody is a chef mm -hmm. right some people are just a cook yes, right and there's absolutely true. probably more cooks than there are chefs yeah, of right? course there are everybody identifies with the fact that they're a cook everybody gets that right so I don't I I don't want this like you know power battle over you know who we are but i do want the person who's cooking the food to understand i'm different in this place than other people right i need the you know like like in the in in, in the cook one one of the cook ones is what is, what can i do as a cook to make sure that the person who's delivering my masterpiece out to the table actually likes us right because i don't that's what they're doing right ultimately they're going to take what i did and give it to somebody else and hope that somebody else likes it. Yes. Well, I want the person who's giving it to them to like me too. Of course. Right? I want everybody here to like me. You know what I mean? I'm not looking to make enemies. So, uh, yeah, that, and that's so it's the, the, the greatest on the planet, then it's the greatest whatever it is on the planet. And the other thing, too, that I want to discuss, too, is the price. Because it is incredibly affordable, extremely affordable. And the way I've set it up is you can buy it. If, if you buy a pack of 25 of them, so you're a restaurant owner, and you want to get 25 workbooks, you can get them for $149 a workbook. It's about $3,700 to get 25 workbooks. Mm -hmm. You got 25 employees working for you. You spend 3,700 bucks, give it out to them, and basically they're going to write in it. They're going to, you know, it's a, it's, they're not giving. There are some things they can give back to you. So like in there, there's a page that says name 25 things we can do to save money around here. That's 20 things. Name 20 things we can do to save money around here. So the employee who's the boots on the ground understands. If we did this, 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 and this, we could save money around here, right? They rip that page out of the book and turn it back into management. Then name 20 things we can do to be more efficient around here. They rip that page out of the book and give it back to management. I just had somebody tell me, well, we could get to the point where we don't have anything to be more efficient in. And I said, I disagree. We can always be more efficient. Nothing runs 100% efficient ever, but it's just an idea. Like when's the last time you walked up to an employee and asked an employee, what can we do to save money around here? We don't do that because we're perfect, right? That's how we started this conversation. We go through life seemingly we've got it all in order and we don't have it in order at all. So, um, so you can really, uh, and if you have over a hundred employees, the price breaks down to $129 a workbook. And what I say is if you have an employee, how long is it going to take to get back $129? Show me my competition. Where are you going to go get a training program that's going to bring to you an unfire? It's going to bring one of three things, either an employee needs help either an employee who needs to be fired or is going to bring you the greatest on the planet. For $129, where are you going to find that at? Nowhere. 
It doesn't exist. And this is ongoing training. It, it happens the majority of the weeks throughout the year and it never stops. Is that correct? That, that's the way, yes. That's the way we want it to be because we don't want, we don't believe in one and done. If you do something one mm -hmm. time, you're going to do it once and it's not going to get perfected. But if you keep investing that $129 into them, so it's an eight-week program. So our, our suggestion is do it four times, right? You're under $600. You're, you're just over $500 a year for that employee. How hard is it to get $500 back out of an employee if they're focused on sales as one individual thing? If they're focused on following things up, how much money is lost because we don't follow things up? Just as simple as we didn't bring the ketchup to the table, the person is furious mad and they're never coming back. I'll give you an example, it just happened to me and I like the place so I'm gonna go back to them, but uh, she wouldn't bring me the bill. I mean, I, she went to my table, I couldn't tell you how many times I even asked her for the bill and she didn't bring it to me. This is not somebody follows things up. Clearly. So, I had to get up and go up front and go, I have no idea how much my check is. You know, I want to, I want to cash out and they went and found it for me. But what if I was somebody who was upset about that and I'm not going back anymore? Happens all the right? time. Happens all the time. So you have to, you know, following uh, things up is a uh, very mm -hmm. important uh, part. And, and I contend this is the most affordable em employee training program there is on the planet. There's nothing, nothing more affordable than what I have going. How do people find it, John? What's your URL? Is it greatestontheplanet.com? It's the. The, the greatestontheplanet.com. Yep. And that's just basically yeah. taking to a search bar. And then at the search bar, they're going to be able to type in the industry that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. So like in a restaurant, they'd either have the server, they'd have the cooker, they'd have the bartender. And then they can buy a, a, a program a package based on that industry. So they're going to give it to their employee. And the front cover is going to say the greatest bartender on the planet. Gotcha. Now, if they only have four employees, the reason that we priced it the way that we did, mm -hmm. it's a pack of 25. But if they only have four employees, then what they're really buying is a year's worth. Mm -hmm. They have a whole year's worth. I see. If, if, if they have 100 employees, you don't need to go out and spend, you know, 500, uh, you know, $50,000 today to get it. Just buy 100 of them. And we're selling that for uh, 12900 But again, $12,900 spread out over 100 people. How hard is it to get that money back? It's nothing. It's zero. I mean, $12,000 to somebody who's uh, got 100 people working for them, you better not think that's a lot of money. I mean, I promise you, I'm the cheapest on the planet. There's nobody doing it for less than me. And I did that because I want the little guy to succeed. I want the person who only has four or five people working for them and a really small operation. Maybe they're not open all day. Maybe they're just a breakfast place. Mm -hmm. They don't have a lot of people running it. I want them to be able to afford it too. I don't want to be, you know, like a great big, huge company that's $20,000 per employee or, you know, $100,000 and we'll come in and train a team. No, we want to change the way it's done. Like I said, my goal is I want the employee to walk into an interview and say, are you a greatest on the planet company? Because if you are, that's a place I want to work. That's fantastic. You've given us so many powerful nuggets of information today, John, all about, Great. well, you know, I'll go back to that word or that phrase, best practices. You know, I think our audience can learn a lot from your philosophies, your approach to business and how you've totally changed the lives of so many people. So I, I have to thank you very much for being our guest today. Roger, I appreciate it. It's an honor, true honor. And I, I look forward to listening to it when uh, it's out and live. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, John. That was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, and we'll see you next episode. Thank you so much. Today, we talked all about the power of your staff to either make or break your business. 
Train them properly, train them consistently, and you'll have an unstoppable edge over the competition. There's no question training takes time. I get it. But this is an investment in the future of your business, your future guest experiences, and your future online reviews. You can't leave this to chance. It's too critical to the success of your business. If you like our podcast and find it useful, please leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the podcast for free. That way you won't miss an episode and you'll be helping others find us. And I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. And while you're there, download a copy of the book, Rock Your Restaurant. It's a game changer. See you next time.